We're turning to the Old Testament and to the prophecy of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter, chapter 7 for a couple of verses. And then we're going into Isaiah chapter 8. Can I remind you just that there's facilities in the barn and in the church here for uh, youngsters if you need to take them out. Isaiah chapter 7 and the context of these chapters is that the word of God comes to the prophet Isaiah. The king of Israel has allied with the ungodly Syrians against the nation of Judah. And God is speaking to the people through the prophet once again, the prophet Isaiah in verse 4 of Isaiah chapter 7. And he says unto him something that we need to take heed of, many of us I'm sure this morning. Take heed and be quiet. Not easy these days being quiet. Fear not, neither be faint-hearted. For the two tails of these smoking firebrands, for the fierce anger of Rezin was Syria, and of the son of Ramallah, because Syria, Ephraim, and the son of Ramallah have taken evil counsel against thee, saying, Let us go up against Judah and vex it, let us make a breach thereon for us and set a king in the midst of it, even the son of Tabeel. Thus saith the Lord God, it shall not stand, neither shall it come to pass. Chapter 8 and verse 11 and the Lord speaking to the prophet again. For the Lord spake thus to me with a strong hand and instructed me that I should not walk in the way of this people, saying, Say ye not a confederacy to all them to whom the people shall say, a confederacy, neither fear ye their fear, nor be afraid. I want you to mark those words in your mind, for there's powerful truth packed into the end of this verse for us today. Neither fear ye their fear, nor be afraid. Sanctify the Lord of hosts himself, and let him be your fear and let him be your dread. And he shall be for a sanctuary, but for a stone of a stumbling, for the rock of defense, to both the house of Israel and the jinn are a strap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many among them shall stumble and fall and be broken and be snared and be taken. Bind up the testimony 
and seal the law among the disciples. In other words, get the scriptures out and compare them and get them together, bind them together, the testimony of God and the law that God has laid down in his word. Verse 17, And I will wait upon the Lord that hideth his face from the house of Jacob, and I will look for him. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord hath given me are for signs and wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts which dwelleth in Mount Zion. And when they shall say unto you, Seek unto him that hath familiar spirits, as demonic powers, and unto wizards that peep and that mutter, should not a people seek unto their God for the living to the dead, to the law and to the testimony? If they speak not according to this word, if ever there was a verse of Scripture needs to be hammered out and preached on in this day in which we're living when everybody's getting words from the Lord. Everybody's getting words today from the Lord. They say they're from the Lord, but it doesn't work out that way. What's that verse again? To the law and to the testimony. That's to the Word of God and what the Lord says in His Word. If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. And they shall pass through it hardly bestead and hungry. And it shall come to pass that when they shall be hungry, they shall fret themselves and curse their king and their God and look upward. And they shall look unto the earth and behold trouble and darkness dimness of anguish, and they shall be driven to darkness. And so reads the word of the Lord. Let us just pause for a moment's prayer, please. Father, I need your help this morning. This is your word, Lord, the Holy Spirit that penned this word is the same Holy Spirit that lives within me the same Holy Spirit that lives within every believer here. And, o God, we pray that Thou wilt, O Holy Ghost, reveal unto us these truths that we need to learn and hear this morning. For we ask it in the Saviour's name. Amen. Today and next Lord's Day morning, God willing, I want to call your attention to some of these verses that we have read in the 8th chapter of Isaiah. I believe that there are a few scriptures as poignant and indeed prophetical for the day in which the church finds itself in. My title and text is from the 17th verse. If you can look at the 17th verse, you will see where we're coming from this morning. The title is taken from a game that most of us played when we were children, Hiding and Seeking, and our text is here and in other places through this chapter. 
The only thing God the Lord, it's God the Lord that is hiding. He has hid his face and we are seeking. Not all of God's people are seeking. There's only a remnant seeking after God in these days. And we seek him, the remnant needs to seek him with all the heart. Because that's the only way we'll find him. The sad thing about this is it's not a game. It's not a game of hide and seek. This is a fact. This is solemn. This is real. And if it was ever true of the church, it's true of the church of Jesus Christ, the evangelical church in Ulster today and in many other places, God has hid his face. We can say with the words of Habakkuk, when he said, the power, thy power is hid from us. There is little or no demonstration of the power of the Holy Ghost up and down our land. The psalmist could say, thy presence is hid from us. Jeremiah could say, thy prayers are hid from us. He said, pray not for the people. Isaiah can say, his face is hid from us. But not only is his power hid big time this morning, because surely if the power of God was working, we wouldn't be in the state we're in. And while the power of God is hid and the presence of God is hid and the prayers of God to a measure hid and the face of God is hid, the main thrust of this scripture here is that the peace of God has gone from the people. That's the mark of these cha this chapter. And that'll be the overriding theme of my meeting today and next Lord's Day, God willing. When peace goes from a man or from a woman or from a marriage or from a family or a nation or a church, what you have is what you have here. You have confusion. You have contention, and you have fear. You see, instead of these people repenting, instead of Israel repenting, and the leaders repenting, and turning to God and saying to the Lord, why have you hid your face from us? And he told them why, because of immorality and idolatry, he hid his face from them and is bringing them, and is at the process of bringing them here into captivity. But they didn't repent. They dug in their heels and they began to fight and they began to look for another way out. Let me stop a wee minute. Am I speaking to someone here this morning and God wants to bring peace into your life and power into your life, but you'll not let him. And you sinners this morning that are not saved here and listening to me, remember this, you know very well. You know very well that if you repent and seek the Lord with all your heart, you'll find him. You know very well this morning that if you repent, you will be converted. And if you call upon his name, your sins will be blotted out. You know that for you've been taught that, but you'll not do it. But I'm afraid that some of you under the gospel in this house 
And uh, over the years, in many places in our land, I'm afraid that some of them have left it too late. That's the tragedy. For I can tell you that Esau left it too late, for he sought no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. You can't be saved when you like, sir. And if the Holy Ghost is speaking to you and drawing you, it's time for you to come. Don't play hide and seek with God. I have many memories and many vivid things in my mind over the 50 years since I've been saved. But one of the most vivid things in my mind as I stand here this morning is a policeman of six foot two standing in High Street in Lurgan with his back against the wall in full uniform and armed with a 38 revolver, standing there on the street. I give him a word of testimony and told him how the Lord saved me. I'll never forget when I seen the tears flowing down that man's face. And he said to me, and I've repeated it many times over the years, he says, Bertie, I was brought up in the brethren. And I went in the morning and I went into Sunday school in the evening and I went at night. And he says, he said, I heard more gospel meetings and more conferences and my mother and father prayed for me. He says, and I came to a place when I knew that I needed to be saved. And I remember him telling me that he could take me to the row in the seat where he was sitting where God said to him, this is your last opportunity. And he said, I rejected God for a career. And it wasn't the career that he was in. It was something else. He says, I, 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 I asked the Lord. I, I, the Lord spoke to me. And he spoke into my heart. And I knew well. And I rejected it, he says, that day. And from that moment, I never had one desire. You know, I met him 30 years later and he's still the same. You just sit tight this morning. Don't you think that you can fiddle about and tinker about with the love of God and the mercy of God? And just say to the Lord, I'll come to you some other time or some other day. Behold, now is the accepted time. Come now, let us reason together. Saith the Lord, though your sins are as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they're red as crimson, they shall be as wool. You can't be saved when you like, and you can't die when you like either. I tell you, in the tribulation period, if you miss the rapture when Jesus Christ comes, if you miss it, and you'll miss it if you're not saved, I tell you, you can't, get, you can't die. They tried to die in the tribulation, and they couldn't. They cried on the rocks and the mountains to fall on them. But I feel that there's some not only sinners here this morning that would be rejecting the truth of God like these people did here. And I feel that there's some in this assembly this morning and you reject the Constitution in this house. And you reject the Word of God that has preached to you from the Word. You reject it. I'm talking about believers now. But worse than that, you reject the Holy Spirit when he tells you to go and do something, you'll not do it. You heard Gilbert Edgerton last Sunday on this platform saying that he wanted to go through with God. 
Day after day, week after week, and month after month, he got down before God day after day, and he cried to God to show him the things that he needed to write, for he wanted to go through with God. And his drunken father would come in and beat him and hammer him and take him out into the land. He cycled from Rosley to Tempo to make restitution. He went on and on. He said, all I wanted to do is to get through to God. You've never done that. You've never been serious about this. Well, that's something you're going to have to deal with before God. Now, let us see how the Lord dealt with these people. We must keep the Word of God before us this morning. Let us see how the... Look at verse 11. Look at verse 11 where we read the second reading that we have. And very specifically and very clearly, God spoke to Isaiah, told him what the problem was, and told him what they would need to do. Verse 11 says, For the Lord spake. You know, I love that. There's nothing more blessed, let me tell you, than to hear the Word of God. There's nothing so blessed for a believer as to know consciously that the Lord is speaking into their soul. I had an experience of that this week. And the experience that I had it this week, last week, the last part of last week, and the early part of this week, God, I had another message in my heart for this morning. And I had it almost completed. And only preachers know, like, know what I'm talking about. At half past one on Wednesday morning, God woke me up. He said, that's not the message now for Sunday morning. I says, Lord, it's Wednesday. He says, that's not the message. You need, you, there's another message, and I'm going to give it here. And I can tell you honestly that I wrestled with the Lord. You don't know what goes on in the, in, in the preacher's study. And I wrestled with the Lord half one, half two, half three o'clock in the morning over this word. And then I could feel the Lord speaking to me, and he spoke to me through a scripture, and here's the scripture he spoke to me. God, who at sundry times in different manners spake in times past unto the prophets, has these last days spoken through his Son. And this message came. It didn't come easy. Now I want you to watch what he spake. For the Lord spake thus to me, with a strong hand and instructed me. Now, the, the rendering of that is here with a strong, powerful hand. The whole strength of God's hand was upon him as he was giving him this message. And when it says there that he instructed him, that is, he rebuked him. He rebuked him powerfully and plainly in a strong language. Some commentators say, God literally God took him by the hand and led him aside and says now you must get this message this is a very strong message you see at this time Isaiah was struggling with the whole concept of captivity and I don't know what all was going in his mind 
Maybe he felt like Elijah when he was under the juniper tree. He says, this is enough. I want no more. Maybe he felt like Moses. He says, I can't go any further. Do you ever feel like that? The whole concept of uniting with the king of Israel against, with the Assyrians against his people was beyond the pale. It was a bridge too far. You see, there's a confederacy going on. An alliance and a union with the Israel, with Israel, the king of Israel, against the ungodly Assyrians, against Judah, coming out against the remnant of Judah. God says, you have nothing to do with them. Very plainly and powerful, he rebuked them. Don't you even, don't you even, don't you even for one moment, Isaiah, think about joining with this crowd. As my mother used to say to us when we were going off from night times to pray, there's a certain place she didn't allow us to go. On the peril of your life, don't go near them. And he's saying to this man, Isaiah, on the peril of your life, don't join up with them. The king of Israel had united with the great Babylonian Syrians and who at this time had attacked Jerusalem and were bringing them into captivity. And God had withdrawn from them and hidden from them because of their sin, and they wouldn't repent. It seems that when they were in this crisis, that they united to get a way out. J.C. Ryle in the 1800s, the Bishop of Liverpool, appealing to the Church of England people, said this, Peace is excellent and it's pleasing, but like gold that can be brought can be bought too dear. He also said unity is worthless if it's paid with for truth, with paid by with truth. So you see, there's an instruction here very clearly to the prophet Isaiah, very powerfully from God don't don't lie with them have nothing to do with them. So that takes me to the next point, and there's not instruction, it's separation. You see, this message said there's to be no mixture. No mixture with the ungodly. There's to be no truck with the ungodly. You depend on me, you rely on me, and I will deliver the people. But once you go down into Egypt for help, you're in great trouble. One of the doctrines we have fought hard for here from, for 34 years is the doctrine of separation. We have lost a lot of people here because of our stand to be separate. There are certain boundaries were set here whenever we started and they still exist this morning and the will. Many have gone from this place because of them. And we have to let them go. The Word of God tells me that there's to be no compromise with the world. 
There's to be no compromise with the modernists, with the humanists, with the ecumenists, with the liberalists, with the atheists, with the neo-evangelists. We are not into the mixturing business in this house. Neither is God into it either. Because right through the Word of God you read of separation. He separated the light from the darkness. What communion has darkness with light? You can't get a greater contrast. He separated the waters. He said the waters from beneath and the waters above of the firmament will be separated. He separated the sea from the dry land and good from evil. God forbid Israel to plow with an ox and an ass under the same yoke. He forbidden them to sow mixed seed. He forbidden the priests when they went into minister to wear a woolen garment and a linen garment. They couldn't mix the two of them because the woolen garment would make them sweat, which speaks of the flesh. And there's a lot of boys with woolen garments on today. All activity. You see, God is a God of separation. The problem with the children of Israel coming out of Egypt was the mixed multitude. If you read your scriptures, you will read about the mixed multitude. They murmured and they rebelled. And they caused friction and they caused rows until they had to be separated. In fact, whenever Ezra got a hold of the book of the Word of God, in Nehemiah and Ezra we read that they pitched every one of them out. You see, the Bible says that we to be clean, we to be clean that bear the vessels of the Lord. And this comes into this assembly this morning. There's carnal men and the spiritual men, carnal women and spiritual women in this house. There's three kinds of people. There's the ungodly and there's the carnal and there's the spiritual, Paul tells us. Where are you this morning along the road of life? Are you a spiritual Christian or a carnal Christian? Because there's no mixtures with God. No mixtures whatsoever with him. If you believe what we believe this morning, you can nod your head to the Constitution. If you believe what we believe from the Word of God this morning, you can nod your head to the Constitution and to the Word of God. Last Sunday morning there was a mixture in this house, evident. We brought seven people into membership here last Sunday morning. Five of them young and two of them not all that so young. Seven. Do you know what one woman said to me the other day? She said, I could have wept when I saw them young people coming into membership. But there were others. Tell me how many of you went to them and put your arm around them and congratulated them. There's a whole lot of you didn't feel you couldn't do it. Well, no, just... Quiet. Well, many of you sat there last Sunday morning, saw these seven, maybe 20 or 30 brought in uh, from COVID into membership here. Many of you sat there and, and, and looked and said, well, wasn't that lovely? It's not good. No, but some of you try to twist the word of God and say it's not needed. It is needed in the scripture. I have never yet in 34 years have a man or woman come to me with the scriptures and say, that's why I'm not a member. 
like in the Shakespeare play with Brutus. Dear Brutus, the fault lies within yourself. God's not into mixture. You know, I have a right, right hearing. I might not have a good eyesight, but I have good hearing. I, I hear murmurings and from time to time. I hear snide remarks given at times about hats and about suits and about ties and about dress and about baptism and about membership and King James's archaic and all this. I hear it all. But I have news for you this morning. It's not changing. Not changing. Do you know why it's not changing? Because it works. It works. It works. The Lord said to Isaiah, have nothing to do with it. You just trust me. You rely on me. And I'll sort the thing out. We have no intention of turning this church into a friendly church or a frenzy church or any other church. Friend, this is not a club. This is not a social center. This is not a place for drumming and dancing and parading up and down the stage like rock idols. This is not the place for standing and showing off your tattoos or your gifts or your figures. This is the house of God. And we're told how we need to behave ourselves in the house of God. There's the message. There's the mixture. There's the minority. Judah was the remnant. They were just a remnant. I'm going to prophesy something now. I believe as we move into this year and further down the line, fierce will grow the conflict to keep the church separated from a confederacy or alliance of the ungodly. We're going to have to fight to keep it holy and keep it clean and keep it pure. It's not so bad. Now listen, when we come down to a close, it's not so bad when we're intimidated by the world. You can expect that from the Assyrians. You can expect that from the Egyptians. You can expect that from the Moabites. But Israel has joined confederacy with them. And when God's people joins, when apostasy comes in and we abandon the old path, because Israel by doing that abandoned her old path, separation, the teachings of redemption and incarnation and justification, the sacrifices, the covenants, and all that God had made Israel as a separate people for, they rejected it and joined with the ungodly. And the moment they did, that all was out through the window. But there's not only the message here and the mixture here and the minority here, there's a motive here. The devil has a motive here. 
And it's as plain as a pikestaff, if you read it. And the motive of the devil was behind the scenes, linking Israel with Assyria, bringing this unity, this united crowd together, this ecumenical crowd that we could talk about and all the things that's going on. The reason of the devil was to do that was to keep the Lord hid. To keep his face turned away in order to banish the sacrifices and banish the law and banish the covenant and banish all that God. When the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? This is destroying the foundations. How did he do it? Well, I want to show you in closing in verse 12 how he did it. He did it with fear. Say ye not a confederacy or an alliance to them to whom this people shall say. A confederacy, neither fear ye their fear, nor be afraid. You just, you get lap up those words. You see how many times fear and dread is mentioned here. They were driven with fear, but God's people were driven with their fear. Now notice that. Their fear. Do you see that? Do you? Don't you miss that? Don't you go one minute further till you get that. Their fear. Let me read it again for you. Sanctify the Lord of hosts. Verse 12 says, Neither fear ye their fear, nor be afraid. Their fear. You see, there's three kinds of fear. There's natural fear. And you needed that in the past week or so when the frost and ice was on the road. It's a natural fear to drive easy when you climb a ladder. And it's an ingiven thing and it's a God-blessed thing. And I see it played out in Jonah every day. He hasn't much intellect, but I tell you this, he knows when he can step onto something and step off something. There's an inbuilt fear to protect us. Then there's a devilish fear. And then there's the godly fear. And the devilish fear and the godly fear is working here. The devilish fear is a spirit. Do you hear that now? It's a spirit. It's a contagious spirit. It moved from them people into the people of God. They contacted, they contacted this fear that they had, came into them, and they're all afraid now. Paul says, I haven't given you the what? The spirit of fear. It's a spirit. It's an evil spirit. It's a wicked spirit. And if you're sitting there this morning as a Christian worrying about your children, it's a, it's a fear of the devil. It's a, it's a demonic fear. And you need to pray over that and you need to reject that and you need to stand against that and you need to plead that and you need to get into the prayer meeting and plead, plead the blood. He hasn't given you the spirit of fear, mother. It's not of God. It's not of God. Afraid of your health, afraid of your letter from the doctor, afraid of going into an appointment. It's not of God. Afraid that your marriage is going to break up. Afraid your job is going to go. It's not of God. It's a contagious fear that comes from the enemy. It's a spirit. And a spirit needs to be rejected. 
A spirit needs to be stood against, and spirit needs to be prayed out. You mothers get a bit of peace and a bit of sleep. The Lord will look after your children for you. And look after them well. Chapter. Look at look 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 at what it says in, in them other verses, the one we read, be not afraid, be not faint hearted, the one we read in the chapter seven. Now let me close by saying this. You see this fear that came? Do you see this fear that came from the ungodly? Come into the Israel, to the king, and into the people. And it has been passed on to, to Isaiah. If God wouldn't have interrupted them and instructed them and told them what to do. See this fear that's coming in? This is what happened in the end of 2019 in, the, in, in our land. The nations of the world became gripped with the fear of a bug that didn't exist. You can't see it, they said. They didn't know where it come from. They didn't know where it go. Well, it didn't come from anywhere and didn't go from anywhere. It has to come before it goes. Oh, it's going to kill millions. And that fear gripped the whole nation and gripped the whole world and gripped every one of us. And we all fell for it. Told us to shut up and lock up. Bar the doors and don't sing and don't pray and don't preach. And it's still going on. I was in the hospital there a fortnight ago visiting a certain person. And the brother brought the person into a side ward to me and there's a window in it. And I was sitting before this with a person with the Bible open. I was about to read the scriptures and pray. I'd spent some time about to read the scriptures and pray. I saw a nurse looking through the glass in the window. She came in, not very politely, and she said, you need a mask on you. I think she saw the Bible. I said, I tell you, I'm putting on no mask to pray and to read the scriptures with this person. And neither I did. There's a fear, man. There's a fear with this. And there's a fear that's still on. And it's a fear that has been contagious and it has passed from the world. And the sad thing about it all is that the godly, so-called godly Christian church imbibed that fear. Oh, you're in trouble this morning. I'm in trouble, sure. I'm in trouble all the time from COVID start. I was in the opticians the other day and he had this wee chart up on the wall. He said, would you read the top line? Catholic man. He said, would you read the top line? I said, E, F, G, H. Then he looked at me and says, you kept open during COVID. I thought he was going to say I've gone blind. <laughs> he says, you kept open during COVID. Oh, I did, I said, I. He said, you had a Catholic undertaker come to you. I did I. He says, me and him meet for prayer. Mm -hmm. He said, you know, Bert, five undertakers, Catholic undertakers, done a survey, and they had more deaths than every other year than they had when COVID was on. 
Josiah, take it, you don't agree with it, I don't. GP, a specialist from one of the National Health Service hospitals, an optician, and numerous others. And now, my friend, listen, you listen to the news now, and you, you look at what's happening now, and, and, and you, can, you can hear them coming now, oh, no, we shouldn't have done this. That's what they did with the foot and mouth disease. They slaughtered millions and millions of cattle. And then they said after it, we shouldn't have killed half of them, a quarter of them, maybe none of them. They did that with the fowl disease. And they've done, done it with COVID. And the sad thing about it, that we joined alliance with the world and with the ungodly and those that we preach against and those things that we stand against. We joined with the ungodly and we voted with them to close up. And I'm not hearing many saying no wrong. But you see, that was the spirit of fear that gripped them. The spirit of fear. Do you know that fear, fear and COVID did more than 30 years the IRA couldn't do? The 30, year, the, the 30 years of the troubles, the fear of, that communists couldn't do, atheists couldn't do, liberalists couldn't do, fear done it, and the devil done it, and he's got the people on the run. It was a trial run. We, I used to be on the TA years ago, and he, and used to go over to England to camps and send over an advance party. Those went over and prepared the way for the regiment that was coming over. Devil sent out an advance party to see how it would work, to see how it would go. And boys, it went well. So you can be expecting them to come again now. Get into these prayer meetings, I tell you, on Monday and Wednesday night and stand against the powers of darkness and fear and hell that's attacking our people and our children. I couldn't be strong enough on that. For the Lord will vindicate and the Lord will move. Those that shouted and placarded and all against certain people, then joined with them and turned on us. Lastly, there's the message, there's the mixture, there's the minorities, there's the method. Ah, bless God. There's the man. Look at verse 13. Sanctify the Lord of hosts. That's in capitals. The Lord Yahweh of hosts. Friend, this God is our God this morning. And we have nothing to fear. Sanctify the Lord of hosts himself. <laughs> himself. That's all we need. That's all you need. When he had by himself purged our sins. Didn't need the help of Mary. When he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down. He shall appear. He himself shall appear from heaven. 
the same Jesus himself, not sending an angel. This is himself. Watch it again. Sanctify the Lord of hosts that has set him apart. That word sanctify is holy. He's holy, harmless, undefiled, and separate from sinners. He's the, God, he's the Lord of hosts. He's the Almighty, and he's holy. What more do you want than that? What are you fearing about this morning? And let him, there's again, him, let him be your fear. Fear ye, don't fear ye their fear and be afraid. Let him be your fear. And he shall be a sanctuary. And we'll be going on with this next week. The Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run it into it and see if you have nothing to fear, only fear God. I'll tell you the fear of God is a wholesome thing, is a lovely thing. The Lord Jesus has said, feared the Lord. He wasn't afraid of him being hit. He wasn't afraid of him being hammered. He wasn't being afraid of something happening to him because he didn't fear him. That's not the sort of fear that the God is. It's the fear of love, perfect love. Casteth out all fear. Are you fear of God this morning? You know the greatest need in the church, one of the greatest needs is to fear God. Fear God. What does that mean? Be afraid in case you grieve him. Be afraid because you might hinder the Holy Ghost. Be afraid because you might quench the Holy Ghost of God. Be afraid because you might, you might, you might rebel against him and you don't want his will. I tell you, you should fear that this morning. Fear this lovely thing, the fear of God. We're to continue with reverence and in fear. Do you ever get afraid? I know your conscience. The conscience is one thing and the fear of God is another thing, but the conscience is a mighty thing. And if God is speaking to you this morning, to either through your conscience or through the Spirit of God or the fear of God about something in your life that you need to do that's not pleasing to God, then you need to deal with it. You need to deal with it. For that love, that perfect love, casteth out all fear. Let me leave you with this text. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casteth out all fear. Because fear has torment. A devilish fear, my friend, has torment. It'll torment you during the night. It'll torment you about your children. It'll torment you about your health. It'll torment you about the future. That's not of God now. Listen to what John says, the apostle of love. Because fear has torment, he feareth not, but is made perfect in love. And we love him because he first loved us. What manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we might be called the children of God. God loves you this morning. Christ died for you this morning. You have not to fear while he is near, though fierce the conflict may be. We'll never give in. We'll sing it on Monday night. Come out. We'll never give in in the fight against sin. For with Christ... There's victory.
Keep clean. Keep free. Keep separated. Keep in the Word. And keep close to the Savior. Let us pray.